0: Fantasy Animation is a completely free, online, educational resource dedicated to examining the relationship between fantasy storytelling and the medium of animation. It is staffed by a volunteer army of academics and animators who give up their time to run the website so that our audience can be kept informed not just about the latest goings on in the world of all things that are drawn, imagined and sculpted, but to help inform them about the historical, political, ethical and aesthetic ramifications of what it means to make an animated fantasy. Check out our weekly blog posts, containing insights on everything from the sexual identity of SpongeBob SquarePants to how to make an animation on a pair of knickers. You can also access our archive of podcasts, featuring Oscar-winning VFX supervisors, historians, classicists, animators and folklorists discussing their favourite examples of fantasy animation. To find out more, visit us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Reddit at fananimresearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M-Research or visit fantasy-animation.org. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Animation Podcast. I am one half of Team Fantasy Animation, Alex Sargent, and I'm responsible for all things imagined, dragony, hobbity, uh, and fantastical. My co host, Chris Holiday, will be here in about three to five minutes' time, and he'll fill you in on all things animated and cartoonish. The reason he's not here right now is I'm recording this after the episode. Uh, we've already recorded it, we've already put it in the can, um, and it's a really good one, so I think you're really going to enjoy it. Our guest this week was Lynn Ferguson, um, who was here to talk about Chicken Run and her role as Mac, the lovable Scottish genius engineer Chicken. Um, Lynn is also an award winning actress, writer, story coach. She's appeared in the National Theatre, she's appeared on things like The Catherine Tate Show and The Bill. Um, and she was also the story consultant on the Pixar animation movie Brave. And she'll be talking about that um, towards the end of the podcast. Lynn was a wonderful guest, she um, was very generous with her time and we had a lovely chat with her um, and really enjoyed her company. As you can tell, therefore, from the opening, it sort of just starts, it doesn't sort of have the the crisp, polished um, opening that we would normally record. Um, we were having a lovely conversation already, so we just thought we sort of get going and, and hear her thoughts on chicken rum. So just in a second, you're going to hear the sort of conversation fade up, you're going to join us right in the action, Lynn's going to be telling us about Chesney Hawks, seriously, um, and then... Um, what follows is a really interesting conversation about the nature of voice acting, um, uh, the role of of the actor in in the role of animation, the relationship between sort of the craft, the ta- the handmade, um, Ardman as family, Ardman as industry, Ardman as animation studio, and many more besides. So do sit back and enjoy this episode with lynn Ferguson on Chicken Run. What is, band, what is band camp is going to be my first word. No. Um, I don't know. What is band cam Is it a yeah. swear word? It's what you're recording on, I, from what I can understand, from your husband. Um, um, oh. Cool. Oh, right. Okay. and Well, he knows all the stuff. I do i so yeah. I'm going to get my okay. plug in
1: here, right? I'll get sure. a plug in right away. Which is... I do a podcast. I record a podcast every Wednesday morning here in LA, which is Wednesday night over there and thing, with... Called We're All A Bit Mental, okay. about mental health. And it's with an improbable bunch of people. Like, literally, he'd go, What? Why? So uh, it's me and Chesney Hawks, you know, Chesney Oaks. Chesney Hawks. I really? know okay, him. Mark and Chesney Hawks are best friends. He's like the nicest man in the world. And me and his wife get up to an awful lot of trouble. We're like, uh, we're the bad people, me and Chrissy Hawks. Um, so there's me, Chesney Hawks, a guy called Brandon Block, and and then another guy, Neil Harrington, who's like a sound uh, engineer, DJ guy, and so like Mark. Anyway, I like le- basically I just sit there and, and talk pretty, but the Mark comes in and he organizes all the podcasty things, which is why with you guys I was like, alright, you you just sort it, make it all work,
0: make the spaceship work. I mean, I feel like we've sort of already started. I reckon we've got about five minutes of gold already. So as long as we've got about another 45 minutes of Chicken Run related chat, that should be fine. Um, so Lynn, I guess to start us off, just tell us the sort of standard journalistic um, shtick. How did you get involved in Chicken Run? Who called who? Uh, were you aware of Ardman before they kind of approached you? And, and kind of what started the process of you becoming Mac?
1: Do you know, it was very standard. Uh, I wish it was a more exciting story, really, in a way, because cause I love Ardman. I'm really, like, when you work with Ardman, you sort of become part of their family, in a way. Well, not even mm. in a way. You do become part of their family. They are like that. The way that Pete and Nick are is you... Mm. They're sort of hands-on with the team sort of thing. Uh, they give you space, but they're like... I don't know, they're just, they're like weird uncles or something. Anyway, the it didn't start that way. It started really in a very traditional way where my agent called and said, you know, Aardman, the people that are doing, that do the creature comforts and stuff, they're doing this movie. Uh, you want to go up and see uh, if, to do a voiceover. And I went there and I really liked the guys, that, like, because often when you go into, not often, but a lot of the time when you go into auditions, people are very full of how in, their importance are. You know what? How important they are, and Ardman. I, I mean, I think Ardman. Ardman are really historically really important, but the <laughs> you know, and then they're just like you're right. You're like yeah, you want yeah you want anything? No, it's, it's all right. And so we were talking about stuff, and I did the uh, the read and everything, and I said, you know, if you're having a Scottish chicken, you really need to have the chicken say hen, because Scottish people, particularly Glaswegians, will say you're right, hen. And they were like, no. And I said, yeah. (laughs) And then so like I said, well, you would put, and so we had a discussion about where you would put the word hen in terms of that stuff. Um, And so I left and I was like, I don't really care if I didn't get the job because it it was like a really good time. It was like just like a good conversation. And then they came back and said, yeah, you got the
0: job. And then I got the job. What kind of audition was it then? Did they make you read a script uh, scene that ended up in the movie? Did they have a clear idea for you as to who Mac was? Um, the, the original script was different. Uh, I can't
1: entirely remember it, but I remember like when this next draft came in, I was like, oh, okay. In terms of the reading with them, um, the first read was like, <laughs> it, it, like it was evident even from the first script that it was like going to be an amazing movie. Like, cause sometimes you read stuff and you're like, oh my God. God, really? Like really, (laughs) is nobody going to say anything? Like the emperor has no clothes here. But like with that one, uh, you're like, oh my God, that's like the thing. Um, So initially there was just the read. And then when we met, I think we did a team read with all of us apart from Mel Gibson, because he's Mel Gibson. Um, And then, so we were all together in the studio and then afterwards you would do singles with uh, nick and pete and carrie i can't remember how often carrie was there but nick this is an idea of how for what, what it's like with Ardman in terms of precision like nick would ask you to do uh, you do a line and then you'll do it you, you do the line so they've got the line and then they would ask you maybe to do the line in succession three or five different ways according to whether um like you do different inflections as to how panicked you were. For example if you're just mildly worried or whether you're really freaking out that will change the tone of a line. But also um depending on where they're gonna put the chicken in that scene. So like if you're at the if you're standing say at the bottom of a shed looking up yelling to a chicken at the top of the shed, right? you have to have a different tone in your voice than you do if you would be both of you standing at the top of the shed or alternatively, both of you standing at the bottom of the shed, right? So um, it really makes you consider the tones in your voice uh, and what you're doing. And that's what I mean about precision. They want the options so that then they can build the picture around it. But also like uh, they watch you physically, in order to see where sound reflects in movement it's really really clever It is. it's like 5D chess
2: well i think <laughs> from a i think from a from a, an academic perspective my mind is racing in the way that you've described voice acting and the and, mm. the, and the process and the practice of voice acting because uh, you know I, I think people who are interested in animation are interested often they're interested in the fact that there's an tension between the 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 voice or the the way it's written and then the fact whether it d- does the voice become before or does it come after the animation are you responding to something that's animated in certain national contexts that's true whereas it's flipped around in a lot of lot of productions uh equally you being in the room with somebody else um and so actually what you i think what you said pulls out a few there are a few things that i had with regards to kind of yeah how did you record your lines. Was it together? Was it? And it seems like it was both because mm. you mentioned both singles <laughs> as a as a yeah. sort of you and the directors as a as a more of a back and forth, um, as well as being collective and bouncing off of each other. Is that right? So you did sort of both processes Absolutely. to to. to yeah. I, I I guess from what you said, to, to, to flesh out essentially the space of the voice. I've not really thought about voices in terms of the distance if you're looking up from something or proximity if you're close to somebody and the way that you deliver yeah. your... So so the voice, is, you know, it's not just the voice. it's And I think this is really amplified in something like stop motion where space is often on a tabletop. So, uh, you know, a tabletop doubles yeah. for two acres or something like that. So space is of a premium. So you're effectively doing same thing with your voice that the animators kind of do with vanishing points you're trying to create the illusion of proximity or the illusion of of different spaces which i think is really i never really thought about the space of a, a or the requirements of an animated voiceover artist or someone speaking for an animated character to kind of think in those terms
1: well because what you're doing is if i personally feel that uh, animated voiceover is is like really close harmony you know what you're trying to do is you're trying to get into the animator's head and give them angles do you know mm-hmm. that and and it it's um it's different if you're if something's already say, say like you're um, voice and like I've done some computer games and stuff like that and the thing is already there Right, yeah. they, they've got it right in front of them and you're just like being you know being the pretty voice so like you're just turning up and going all right that moves here i'm just talking it's it's it isn't particularly challenging really that's a terrible thing to say for uh, sorry voiceover actors <laughs> it's challenging it really is it's challenging <laughs> in the sense that there is time right and that like you may say something naturally in 20 seconds but they've only got like 12 seconds of footage, right? So you then have to go, okay, how do I see this natural thing, but condense it so it's 12 seconds, right? So that is challenging because you you want to make the sense of it, but you're aware you have to squeeze it into a box. It's like packing something, packing a gift. However, the way that Aardman do it that I, I think is fascinating is this combination of things. It's like a really a coming together of stuff. I I do think, with have you ever watched Gogglebox? Do you watch Gogglebox? You seen it on TV? Yeah. I don't think sure. Gogglebox could have happened without Ardman, right? I don't think it could have done because Ardman brought it in with Creature Comforts. Yeah. Like what Ardman did with Creature Comforts made us understand and celebrate the entry the, the magnificence of a normal voice and an accent, and that how. Uh, Basically, fairly banal things can be fascinating and entertaining, right? So whenever I see Gogglebox, I'm like, "That that's totally would never have happened without Creature Comforts," and and even in the way that they animate, they come down to um, the consideration of because a conversation this sort of comes into like narrative and the story stuff that I work in right now, um, Mm. the. Even though they're looking at single lines, you know, that you're making single lines which are like spatial and time constraints, right, all that stuff. They also have to make sense within the bigger picture. Like each line has to make sense in reference to not only the last line that the the whatever character said before you, but also the line that cu- that you said before, that character, and whatever will come later, there ha- it has to tonally fit. It's like a giant, and that's why I think it's a little bit like 5D chess or whatever. Mm. It mm. has to fit with so many factors, and the animator and the director, particularly the director, has this big picture of whatever is going on that they are building all the time. It's It's extraordinary, really,
0: you know. Mm can I ask a question about ownership of that process then because it sounds like the thrill of working on a sort of feature animation like Chicken Run mm-hmm. is that your the way you're having to do the performance is incredibly different to say a live performance where you get to kind of stitch together performance to start to finish if you're yeah. if you're doing improv then you're you're doing it live and and you can own the performance but with this you've got to not only you've got to kind of take control of your performance enough to know where each line fits within the overall picture and know what you've done and so you've got to be master of, of that kind of sense of performance whilst at the same time knowing that you're working with an animator here you're doing a dance or you're you're doing a performance with the animator and and as much as you're bringing the voice they're bringing the body and the physicality and together you are making uh mac so uh how much you know you've got to own it and at the same time, you can't own it too much, or you're going to see your baby kind of get depleted or whatever. Well, it, did it feel like that? At not all?
1: at all, though, because what you've got in between you and the animator is the director. And actually, that's the point where you're, you, the director is your best friend, right? Sure. And so basically, it's like um, it's a little bit like a uh, blind man's buff in a way. In that, you're making your way through a room. You probably know where things are in the room because you saw it before you put the blindfold on, right? But in order to get from one side, (coughs) excuse me, in order to get from one side of the room to the other, you have to listen to the instructions of someone else. And so, like, what my instincts are of how I would make a sound or how I would personally... Uh, talk up to someone or whisper in their ear that doesn't go away in the same way that I would if I was in Blind Man's Buff I would still have the same body right Mm. but Mm. I have to connect to the person who sees everything if I don't connect to them then I will fall over and make a mess and I I think that at times um, we forget that like whenever I'm working with a great director I really appreciate it like I really appreciate it like, a director isn't really somebody who says, can you just stand over there? A director is someone who has a vision that that they're able to store for you so that you can fit into it. There was a best... You know, at drama school... I didn't have a great time at drama school and that, I, you know, I'm quite rebellious that way, but there was something that uh, someone said at drama school, this uh, teacher said at drama school, that that, that made me... It's kind of stayed with me forever, and I think it's a good way to look at how performance works, which is that um, a play, or or in this case, a movie or whatever, is like a painting, right? You have to work out what style the painting is and what colours there are in the painting and what it's there to show. Then you look at what colour you are and what's next to you and how often you're present in the painting. And your job as a performer is to represent that color uh, to the truest that you can within in realms of the painting. Does that make sense? Mm. So uh, that's really where I kind of see it with with, uh, with any kind of work, not really just with, with voiceover. Because what you're yeah. trying to do is you are trying to um, contribute to someone else's vision, and you use whatever skills you can to be the best color in that
2: vision that you can. And so, in the case of of Mac, then was mm. it presumably the character. Well, this may be a question. I'm sure is a question you've been asked a thousand times. But was the character? It's difficult when I say as written or as drawn, or um, because often, yeah, there's a kind of cr- I guess a creative bargain with the with the script in lots of ways. But was the presumably the character was always was always Scottish, and because I'm, I'm thinking that is yeah. in that her, her, the character's Scottishness is also intrinsic. It's not just the voice, and that, that she sounds Scottish, and it's it's a cue for a, a couple of gags, especially when Mel Gibson's Rocky turns up and makes a couple of kind of verbal <laughs> jokes about the legibility. <laughs> in fact, makes the makes a couple of verbal jokes about the legibility of the Scottish accent that still happens in stuff like Ralph breaks the Internet. Which is exactly what they—they do. They do the same joke with Merida and and um, yeah. um, the performance of Kelly Macdonald. Was that English? They do a kind of gag. You about know, them. I
0: worked on Brave as well,
1: though. Oh, you did know you? I worked on—I I did. Oh. Yeah. I've—I've
0: I've got a—I've got a note on <laughs> that. Yes, I've got—I'm going to ask you about it later.
2: I'm glad I won't have to cut it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was—I was wondering if Wikipedia was lying. <laughs> um. But um, I, I guess I was—I was kind of thinking, yeah, okay. So the the, the Scottishness is is. Is integ- Yes, it's how the character sounds, it's referred to in the script, but also it's kind of yeah. integral to the way that the character is designed, um, elements of the character's performance. And so Scottishness is not just this sort of floating joke within the script and as part of the mm. way that the story unfolds, but it's kind of really central to, to how that character is specific amongst a lot of other characters and obviously in the case of chickens where they need to be visually marked for us as an audience because chickens kind of look the same um there's something really interesting <laughs> about how how different elements of the actor and the performer but also in in this case the scottishness i think really feeds into the character so was the with the character was as as it quite close to what it was, was yeah.
1: yeah yeah no totally in that sense well one that's a little bit about uh what i feel uh, as a as an actor which is like look you know if you get a script like chicken run if somebody sends you a script like chicken run you don't look at it and go oh this is a great script here's how i could rewrite it and make it better (laughs) right so like when i'm working on even if it's a script i don't like to be honest um it's what i mean about why this the painting analogy is is was really helpful for me is that where, if I'm being asked to act on something, my job is to present the colour that someone else has made. That's my job, right? Um, but I will bring my own tone to it, and they, bless them, gave me freedom in in certain ways because I earned it in that I was working to make sure that, th- that it was the most authentic draw of something that was already brilliantly written. You know, I'm, I'm not there to push against it. And, it, and I'm not entirely sure about, you know, I hear people talk about this thing where they're like, well, you know, I did this and I brought this and I wanted to bring the anarchy to it. And I'm like, you just sound like you're really annoying, man. You know, you got, like, all these people trying to, like, animate your hair and, and like, like, there's money involved and there's producers talking with douchebags in places and, like, uh, somebody spent a long time writing it and you bring the anarchy? No, just how about you bring, like what you've been asked, and mm-hmm. then you can add to it. In terms of the Scottishness, again, I think it's why, I know you can overthink this, but I think it's one of the things that, uh, about um, uh, artman that's amazing, which is that Mac is not always understood, which is um, pretty much a Scottish thing, <laughs> uh, but she also is the inventor, the creator, yep. the Right, which again is very much a Scottish thing. If you look mm-hmm. at like uh, Graham Bell or you know Fleming, if you look at this, the population of Scotland is minuscule, and yet the uh, effect that Scotland has had on the world in terms of what has been invented there is extraordinary. So I think that having her in, aside from the whole Great Escape thing, you know, where there is generally a Scottish character on the side, I I think that. Um, It is a sort of perfect depiction in a way, which is there's somebody who, uh, you know, Mac as a chicken doesn't really want to push herself forward, you know, doesn't really want the showbiz, would not want to be Ginger, but actually has the capability of making things work whenever, well, trying to make things work whenever.
0: So, listeners, brace yourself. We're going to now have our, an hour of questions about the nature of Scottishness in uh, in anthropomorphic <laughs> fables, because I'm really, I'm absolutely fascinated by almost ev- well everything you said there. Because I've got um, loads to sort of talk about with this. And I'm when we do Ardman on this podcast, I always come back to the idea of sort of uh, uh, Ardman nationality and sort of fantasy storytelling. Because to me. Uh, what Ardman embody is a very British sense of fantasy that 's quite difficult to articulate but is mm. really kind of multifaceted and and what makes Ardman such a unique animation studio is that it doesn 't have that same kind of um, I, I was, I'm going to use the word arrogance but that's not quite what I mean but certainly that kind of schwa uh, de vive of American animation that's kind of like Americans are world builders and they create fantasy lands and lavish kingdoms and and everything's <laughs> spectacular and well thought, you know, it's a nation of, we build nations here in America uh, and that's kind of reflected in their animation whilst, you know, English, British, Scottish, Welsh—we're all a little bit fractured. We got conquered by the Normans in the 11th century. We haven't really got over it, and we're all a little bit push-up rather than be told what to do. So it's a little bit more, you know, it's it's Ardman is, is the great escape but with chickens, and the and the, and, the, and the, the that that <clears throat> smile, that kind of, or you know, Shaun of the Dead is a zombie movie but set in a pub. Um, that that sense of the British fantastic is so important to what Ardman is, and it's such a great part of this film. But then we've also got the complication that this film is about is about, you know, Ardman making a movie with an American studio. Yeah. And it does that obviously when we have we have Rocky and the English Chickens, except for Mac, who plays a really important role in kind of Adding something between that kind of English, you know, Julius Wahala, uh, abfab vibe, and Mel Gibson, was it Rocky, the Lone Iron Ranger of whatever they call him? Um, so, uh, did you did you feel a sense that you sort of what you were were the you were the Scottish voice in an otherwise English versus American kind of uh, narrative here? And did you kind of feel emboldened by that? What did you feel like? What God there's about 80,000 questions I'm asking <laughs> but what, what 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 were you thinking about your <clears throat> or max scottishness as you as you voiced the chick
1: So the, I didn't really think about the scottishness I don't I, I think about whether it's meant to be the whether I'm saying the the thing that I'm saying is the truth or not whether it sounds like it's genuine or not uh, the th- the reason that I think I, uh, it's not in any way offensive with Arman because if you look at Wallace and Gromit, right? Do you think that would work if Wallace was a Cockney? Wouldn't, no. right? No. They no. don't build like that. That's not the picture. That's not the 5D chess of Ardman. They actually mm. do think of like the sort of rhythms of areas and, and the styles of dialect. And because they're looking at this, uh, sort of melding of how sound and vision work, then they're somewhere, whether it's a conscious thing or a subconscious thing or whatever, I think that they get a feel of what they want from a character and then they find a the region rather than like, wouldn't this mm. be hilarious if we just put a funny Scottish accent on? And mm. you're right, you know, that, that thing with um, uh, the joke with Mel Gibson and I don't understand the word you're saying, Yeah. is, is what I th- I'd call in a script. It's like a point where the audience get to relax, right? Where the audience go, God, I was struggling as well. Oh, he's struggling, that's fine. I'm not losing connection with it. Because mm-hmm. also, even for me, some of the stuff with with um, Mac was really fast. It was like really fast to say. Um, and <laughs> Nick kept going, do it, yeah. In mm-hmm. <laughs> the way he does, Because mm. all. Everyone's very mhm. Could you just try it like a, just a little faster? Like shit, man. Really, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, I, so I, th- I don't, I don't find it. I didn't find it bothering or offensive because I, uh, I think it's done at the right time. If you've got something mm. like in The Simpsons where you've got someone doing. Uh, a scottish accent that's not a scottish accent and then someone says i don't understand the word you're saying i feel like the whole of scotland way back to back bannockburn is going no neither do we we have no idea what this is hmm. <laughs> i was
2: well i was gonna say i really like that idea of finding the region and the and the way and, and again we're back to that often i think when we think about animated, certainly we're thinking about animated characters and the the sort of tension between the voice and the character and, and that sort of creative relationship, the, and, and what dictates and, and a lot of the, the sort of bad press, I think that certainly star voices or stars who then voice animated characters uh, get is because that the star has diverted the path that the character would otherwise have taken. Uh, and a lot of the, the sort of negative stuff around uh, you know stars as stunt casting is that they have somehow managed to sell you know the film is selling selling itself on the basis of their of their presence when actually they're not sort of in the film visually only kind of sonically um but they have yeah they've diverted they're taking voices away from kind of trained voice actors but they're also diverting the path of the character um and something with with Ardman you i think that it comes out of one certainly in this film you have a community of of chickens that all seem that i believe that they're friends i believe that yeah. they work really good and it's back to actually your point about harmony a harmony at a studio seems uh-huh. to map onto a group of of chickens and i've written because the film is often about their labor their hidden labor and the stuff that you don't see is they're putting together their plans to try and escape and there is something mm. really harmonious about that that um, kind of community and what i liked about what i would like about chicken run is that i can imagine a version of this story or i can imagine a version of chicken run told from a different perspective where we follow rocky from his and there are plenty of animated films that do this you follow that character as they intrude into another community i mean flushed away is exactly about that a character Mm. that then falls into a community and 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 then falls in love with people that are there and and that's the story but what i liked about chicken run is that it 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 starts with that community and someone comes into come, comes into them, and it's and it's yeah. and and the bit where you said about the audience relaxing and and how that is kind of expressed through the scottishness of mac and and the the legibility of her voice i'm saying her voice your voice yeah. um <laughs> her, is voice. It, her okay. voice but it's also <laughs> it's also tells us something it's used as a cue about that character that actually we are mm. comfortable in this group of people and 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 rocky's mm. the one that's coming from the outside yeah. um and so this it's it's very cleverly the creation of community and harmony is very cleverly organised in a film, in, in Chicken Run, because, as I said, I can imagine a version of this story that follows the hero as he intrudes into it. But actually, it's really important that the film keeps us on that side of the fence rather than yeah. elsewhere. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean... I, yeah. And the the butt of the joke when you're speaking
0: really, really fast is uh, is Rocky. It's not, you know... Well, yeah. again, I'd be interested to see how it plays stateside, but, like, it, you know, it, it's, we, you know... In a, the rest of the chickens can understand her, so it's it's the only the American that doesn't get it. A- and actually, you're often speaking quite complicated you know you're explaining the um the the mechanics of (laughs) of flight um you 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 say the word thrust in a way that had more syllabus syllables than i ever thought it would Um, (laughs) um, and and that's it binds the rest of the chickens together um so it's not an ostracizing thing it's a really wonderful thing so i think the scottishness is great for that because it punctuates to to highlight what's already there i guess like where, where where did so so had you seen the character when you were recording it? Had they shown you any images that you shown? Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I think they had actually. I think they had. I mean we you record over quite a long period of time, you know. So like you'll do yeah. like um uh, I think the first thing you do is the the group read, and then like there's a couple of months in between recordings because animation has to get done, you know. And then like the then you'll do it's like the fitting of a suit or something like that, you know. So mm. <clears throat> as the things start getting made, then then you want to change the voice on it. I definitely the thing that I do have. I maybe should get you this because you would geek out. I'll send you a picture later on. <laughs> right. Sweet. Uh, as, uh, yeah, you will, you'll geek out, you'll be like,
0: what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not pleased about the noises both of us just made. <laughs> uh. Was the, um,
1: In the run-up to um, Chicken Run, they sent us, uh, sent all the cast, I don't know if they sent um, the, I don't know, uh, the animators, but they sent all the cast these porcelain eggs. We're in in little boxes and so I have a dozen eggs in an egg box and on the egg is like a picture of the chicken and the name of the chicken and who plays it it's like kind of beautiful so like um you would get an egg every month to see who was what so oh, wow. in that sense um then I knew I, I sort of knew what she looked like I think Quite early on, but it 's quite a long time ago, and also because it 's so ingrained i don 't think the Mac could look like anything else. do you know yeah. what I mean so uh, it's quite ingrained in my head, but i 'm like, well, I, I guess I must have done because i can 't imagine her looking in any other way
2: okay. I think that, that, but that's the fit again isn 't it the fit between the voice and the uh, and I, i'd agree I think the, the Mac as a character could definitely there's a narr- there, there's a sort of design of the character because of the narrative role that she plays. As Alex said, that's sort of... Um, I, my first note is actually Mac brains, exclamation mark, because that's really <laughs> the sort of narrative narrative function of the, of the, of the character. I mean, I, I, it's funny because when we, or when we, well, me and Alex, thought about, you know, Chicken Run, and we thought, oh, okay, we'll get to do a podcast on Chicken Run. Um, and I, this is true of a lot of the Aardmans that we've done. We, ended up, we end up talking a lot about, um, about the sort of, I guess, the industrial backdrop. Uh, and an Ardman's place this is 2000 mm. and obviously it's their first feature-length film it comes off of the back of a union with as Alex said earlier like an, a big American studio that sort of seems to play out a little bit in in the narrative of the film as you know with that with that tension between a certain kind of British way of life and Britishness versus mm. um, Mel Gibson as 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 the American and and when I had that in mind watching the film uh, in relation to uh, mrs tweedy wanting to kind of industrialize production and and sort of the the automatic nature full-scale automated production versus doing things by hand and and i think that happens a lot with Arben. when we talk about and films we sort of tend to 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 read the animation into it and i've and i've really felt with chicken run it was this kind of tension between stuff that's done by hand and pr- stuff that you do and make by hand versus you know the 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 the, the Aircraft that they build by hand versus the the automated mm. meat pie thing, and there's a real sort of I don't want to say allegorical, but a sort of a symbolic tension between the stuff done by hand and the stuff done by machine, and how that maps quite nicely onto. A film that is really important actually i think within the history of hollywood animation it's the film that kind of gave mm. gave the academy a nudge to make animation a specific category at the oscars it's it's a mm. you know this and shrek coming together to sort of mark a real interesting turning point and so i don't know if i have a question but it's more about i guess were you were you aware and i'm all, were you aware of kind of like the fact this is Ardman's first and we're partnering with an, an, a studio a big american studio and this is this is like a big you said you knew from the script that it was a great script but did you sort of get a sense of the stuff going on behind with regards to to what Ardman were doing and taking that leap to make a feature length film at the time anyway
1: i think it's a good it's a really good point i i one i think that ardman are impressive even without it yeah. like i was the my the the my experience with Ardman is that they are it is very like, you know, they could have left Bristol. They could have had <laughs> some swanky, like, big old place and down at, you know, the waterfront in London where it, that looked like a spaceship and everybody would have to curtsy to <laughs> Peter and Nick when they entered. Right. They could have done all that, but they don't. And and I think that um that when you w- work with them there i i always get the feeling with them that the outside doesn't really matter you know mm-hmm. like it's really about making something of quality and pushing yourself to make it the best way that you can um i i think i i don't think that they particularly it's funny though cuz i went cuz i'm friends with peter like i say and he came over when he, he came over a couple of years ago and we went to um we went to this celebrity party thing at the woman who, I think she was the head of Sony or something at the time and it was all like me and him, right, hanging out with Mm. uh, Brad Jolina and everybody and and he looked as out of place as I did, right Like, and there was something really brilliant about being in that space with him because you're just Mm. like this is like totally crazy, you know like Mm. I I think that um, what comes through in their movies, which is uh, beautiful and kind of allegorical to, like, tales of old, which is be true to yourself, you know. Like, there's always the bigger, better thing. There will always be something that's bigger and better and more impressive than you. But that doesn't mean that you should change yourself or squeeze yourself out of you in order to be that. You, you can be, mm. I, I guess it's like be the best you that you can, you know, mm. it's what comes through. And and really the the their family Ardman are family and you, and if you meet another person from Ardman or part of that thing that there is a feel about it it's like something some kind of knitted jumper feeling washes off in you and you're like oh uh, how are you and blah 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 you know you find that it's not you're talking about stuff and then you make the thing you know
0: I'm, I'm reminded of a of a shot really early on in the movie. That I think kind of, I just struck me as encapsulating everything, or a lot of what you were saying there, Lynn, Which is the sort of shot where we, you know we have that opening sort of pre-title sequence, don't we, where um, uh, Ginger kind of tries to stage the escape, and then um, she's, she's thrown into the you know no uh no chicken escapes from Tweedy's farm, and there's this you know slow um, pan backwards to reveal uh, the farm, um, uh, and. Uh, that slow pan backwards is really interesting because on one level you see it as kind of this is an Ardman's first feature they're announcing this great big epic scale of a film uh it's coming backwards it's you know revealing this sort of spectacular set hey we're in the big leagues now everyone we're, we're you know Ardman are pulling back the curtain on another level it's hilarious because it's not revealing you know if this was the Great Escape, it would reveal the big, you know, set that they've constructed. When it's revealing, obviously, is this: like one, it's a chicken coop, and two, it's a chicken coop on a kitchen table. <laughs> you know, as Chris said, so it's kind of having its cake and eating it, right, in, in a glorious way. In that, exactly what you're saying: be your best self. This is Ardman epic Ardman, but epic Ardman isn't that epic because it's really the Great Escape with chickens, which is like, <laughs> exact, like it's such a wonderful tone to have pulled off because it's on one level very bravado and on one level quite modest and quite. Like hey, look, we're treating chickens like they're um like they're the bridge over the river Kwai.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i i it's pretty no, but i think it's fact, but, but what you were just saying the this is this is the kind of incredible way that artman have managed to um mm-hmm. maintain exactly that so, and especially in the face of of kind of a relationship with an American studio at that time that they've still managed to create a particular kind of tone or feel or aesthetic or quality or Britishness or whatever it is that seems to traverse a lot of their their animated products and I and I do remember we talked a little bit about this when we did Flushed Away that sort of adversarial relationship uh, between Aardman and Dreamworks and how that was being reported in the press and and the idea of who's going to have creative control and, and don't worry they'll still be the Aardman that you kind of know and love and, and sort of acting to reassure I think skeptical audiences that, that that trademark hardman whatever that that thing is trademark mm. hardman wouldn't be forgotten and actually would hopefully be would still be pronounced um as the studio making and that in that instance that shift from from kind of stop motion to to cgi and, and this this i remember this being part of the all oh, they've got into bed with the american unit when actually um Alex is right—the kind of the tempering of spectacle, or the tempering of what it might mean to be epic—and um, so there's something really, really interesting about the kind of push-pull between what spectacle might mean, um, uh, and yeah, the sort of tempering and the and, and Ardman Ardman's version of the epic is very different to to sort of you know big CG, you know, and I really like that the sort of tabletop spectacle of Aardman that 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 maps onto any of their media products, the way that they design their characters uh the you know the handmade imperfect quality the pleasure in the handmade the fact that kind of the handmade and and the imperfect is kind of a kind of a political statement to do things by hand and to to that's it's resistance it's rebellious it's all that that sort of stuff so um yeah i mean there's i'm now gonna i'll go to alex because i could chat Waffle on about well, I was, animation. I'm, that's fine.
0: I'm going to ask you about. I think you might be the only authentic Scottish voice to do the Scotty lines from Star Trek in a feature film. Lynn. Maybe. Uh, I think you're the only person, <laughs> o- the only person from Scotland to have said <gasps> the immortal lines. Um, you're giving your audience she's Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because. And it links to, yes. Yeah, so but talk to us about that scene and, and, um, and when that came up and you were like, oh God, we are going to go there. Uh.
1: <laughs> no, we laughed, but it, in a way yeah. I had to do a bad Scottish accent in a Scottish accent, <laughs> right? Like, because it is, to sure. go, she needs more power isn't enough or she won't hold or whatever isn't enough. It mm. has to be, she won't hold, Captain, we need more power, right? You're kind of mm. going off into, like... <clears throat> A Scottish impersonation of somebody doing a Scottish impersonation. No, it's fun and yeah. it, like it's just there's the I love uh, in Chicken Run that um, all the characters get great lines, all of them, and actually that one for for Mac was uh, this is one where everybody went oh brilliant right. It's a little bit like it's in the same kind of realm as. Um, The Scottish accent and uh, Mel Gibson's character not understanding it. It's sort of, uh, it's that, I guess it is the rebellious thing. It's a nod to if you've got like a Scottish character in your movie, they will say lines like this. And so because this is a Scottish Scottish character in the movie. Mm. We feel that we will give you this line in order that you feel satisfied that this is truly a Scottish character, right?
0: Yeah, Uh, coupled with uh, what you're talking about is a sort of, you know, what, wooden... Uh, duck-like thing flying <laughs> from the sky whilst being you know, um, um, so yeah, yeah. That absolutely all of that coupled together is really great and I've just realised of course that uh, Mel Gibson was in, wasn't he Braveheart about four years before all this yeah. With <laughs> yeah. let's 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 not touch on, on, on Scottish accents in that movie so um, I don't know, they must have had fun with that as well, must have had fun with that Well doesn't um, Chris, there is a
1: freedom isn't there, does, hmm. does she not do the freedom or something like that there is a thing which is yeah. a
2: mock of that too I think there's one shot where it's when they're all sort of working or they're being trained. The Rock is kind of training them to be able to fly and uh, the farmer ends up doing a sort of double take, and I think there's a lot, something about you know that the animals are revolting. You know that they're sort of like there, there is a rebelliousness yeah. to their <laughs> actions, and uh, and there's a there's a, a, a scholar Jack Halberstam that talks about a group of films in the late 90s, early 2000s, Finding Nemo, Chicken Run, uh, Wallace and Gromit, SpongeBob SquarePants, Monsters Inc, Over the Hedge, um, and calls them Pixar Vault, So animated animals or odd animated human-like subjects, um, uh, and they argue that there's a sort of the, the revolting or the rebelliousness of these films. Um transform our understanding of relationality morality and social change by inhabiting worlds where common sense leads not to homeowning or family values or individualistic aspiration but rather a kind of world comprised of a strangely radical combination of socialist and anarchist notions mixed with odd translations of animal values um, and I thought yeah it's really there's a lot of films about groups of penguins and bees and, and rats and rats cooking in the yeah. kitchen and, and the kind of the outlier <clears throat> character who goes against what the herd usually does or the colony usually does or you know ants bugs life, that kind of stuff but it seemed like part of part of what makes this film great is exactly that sort of strangely radical combination of socialist and anarchist notions mixed with our translation (laughs) of animal values that's sort of the way that community functions and that's why i think i go back to the way that the film sets us up from this side of the fence that you really are with these characters, and actually, that probably puts a yeah. lot of demand on on the animators and you as a, a as a, um, a an actor and a performer to try and make it sound like, even if you're perhaps recording in a different room or recording in a different time mm. or recording in a different year, that you are really kind of speaking to these other characters because it's vitally important. Wallace, you know, Wallace and Gromit, um, Wallace speaks on his own; he doesn't have that kind of verbal jousting. But a lot of what makes this film work is the the kind of connections between different characters um and why that's really that's really important for sort of setting up the community exactly that kind of rebellious anarchist quality to the group of chickens
1: well also though what i would say is um the writing is brilliant Mm. right and as an american writer Kerry kirkpatrick right uh, working with Ardman. So in, in essence the harmony between Rocky and and the chickens is reflected, mm. right, in that you've got like a big established American writer working with Ardman. Mm. Um I I think that what uh, it's interesting to think about it in terms of time because in Britain we were coming out of this sort of loads of money um you know, had that been like the eighties, late, was it the late eighties, early nineties, loads of money and money's this and money can buy everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas again, it comes back to Ardman are still in Bristol. They still do their things. They're like the little guy can still win and, mm-hmm. and repeatedly does. I think mm-hmm. that what they do is, um, they reflect the importance of community, mm-hmm. right? that even if the characters don't speak at all, yeah, you know, that it's still about the community um, and the belonging to... And even though, like, Morph, I guess, is, like, on his own, but will always wander into things. You know, he's the mm. guy discovering stuff. But the everything else is about the importance of we are nothing without each other, really. um, Which I think, on the end of a global pandemic, is a really good point. Like... Mm. If ever we needed a time to remember that we are nothing without each other, as now, you know.
2: Hmm. Did you did you feel then when you were recording your lines over an extended period, and, and I guess also having to go back and find the character again, or, or not again, but just to you're revisiting this character over an extended period of time, or you're recording yeah. stuff, and um, did it did it feel like you were in an an Ardman for you were like, oh yeah, this is this is the kind of thing that Ardman does. This is like did you feel at home? Because you said that you'd seen Ardman stuff before, you know, creature comforts, Wallace and Gromit that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um did it feel like you were you were part of that family? But also I guess did it feel like this was kind of quintessentially Ardman and that was a really comforting place to be?
1: I think most of all if you work with Ardman, you feel like it's Ardman in the sense that um they are a community. So, like, <clears throat> they're very serious about the work that they yeah. do, but when you turn up to work with Ardman, it's like, oh, how, oh, how's that, and the blah, 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 and you talk about the things, and then you're ready? Yeah, I'm ready, and then you go. Mm. Like, they, they're not just about... Um, they're not, like, doing movies about the importance of community without community being very prevalent with it. Like, Aardman are a community. If you work with them, you it, it is always like, I remember like <clears throat> Julia and I were getting out, we're in a car going to Bristol to do the, the making of Chicken Run and we were like, you know, I hadn't met her before uh, we were doing Chicken Run. We were like chatting and searching and who's we going out with, you're going out with, oh, you are, oh, and the, like just talking. And then we arrive at uh, the studios and uh, when we arrive, uh, I can't even remember who it was that met us, but we were in we're like, oh, you want a cup of tea and a cup of tea, and. Like, mm-hmm. chatting, and then, and then it's like, right, okay, and go. You know, that it's, you're very much aware of the community when you work with them, and before you do the stuff. And I don't know that you necessarily go, oh, I'm thinking, look, look at me working with Ardman because you're working with Ardman mm. Like, the people who are in Bristol working with Ardman are definitely proud of working with Ardman but mostly they belong to a community of people who are making things. And and that is, is very much his stuff. It's what I mean about going to like a, you know, ridiculous celebrity party with Peter Lord, who by the way is now Lord Lord, which mm. I find hilarious. <laughs> and actually, um, the like the two of us are hanging out, and I'm like, I'm, I mustn't drink. Okay, well I will. Right, like just it's like not... It's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. It's a big deal, but the yeah. things that are celebrated are the. Are the normality of people are the connections of things mm-hmm. I have been in different workplaces at different times even actually I experienced something quite recently where um, the they, they're more interested in playing status than they are in making product whereas Aardman they don't play status, they just assume that everybody's like worth something and then you make product right, mm-hmm. so I, I, I don't I think when you're working with them, it doesn't... Certainly for me, I never... And You know, I'd, like, do stuff. If you see somebody... Like, I met at the premiere, I met somebody who'd spent the entire movie... Her, her job had been doing my hair. Had been working on Max's hair. And I was like, no shit. And she's like, yeah. And we were like, whoa, with one another. It's not... It doesn't feel like, oh, I do the voices for them. They're nothing without me. It's none of that. It's like... Mm. We are part of this group of people who hang out and we're all making this thing that hopefully will work. And and that's mm. largely because that's the way that, that Peter and Nick run things. They mm. have made a lot of um, really incredible things, but at heart they're still guys that are working in their own garage, you know, just mm. making stuff.
0: Mm. Mm. I wonder if how much that's to do with, the, with sort of the, the, the animation style and that, you know, as again, to link things with the pandemic, we're all craving for a bit more of the handheld. We're all craving for a bit mm. more of the, you know, getting around a table and, and playing and, and, and using objects in the world as opposed to sitting at our... Um, computers in you know, isolation uh, and you know I'm, I've been obviously uses a lot of computers in their work and you know it's not a, it's not an easy distinction, but there is something innate about the fact that you've all got to get around one object and make it move both metaphorically and and literally as yeah. opposed to sort of the the, the art of of of, of drawn or, or cell or, or digital, which is a much can be a much more solitary experience right because it is it is it is an object that isn't necessarily shared. Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, if you think of the nature of what an animator is, is they have to be intensely focused. Intensely focused. Um, And so therefore they'll uh, disappear (laughs) for days, you know, like they they don't really have a time space continuum animators. They're fascinating. Um, And so having that sense of community uh, for your animators is brilliant. I remember like I I went up to Emeryville and to uh pixar and they they have like you know everybody has their own booths and there was one that was made and like it was pretty much covered in lego right because the guy just that was how he relaxed so he'd be like animating and, and then he'd relax with lego and then the feel i'm sure you guys have been at the studios but like the feel of an animation studio is very much like it's not like a it's like a very upmarket college dorm in the sense that there are all these little booths where people are in in tiny rooms where they're focusing and stuff. But then there's a lot of social space. and sure. uh, And that's necessary, I think, if you're working with people whose job has to be so focused that they're kind of not in the real world for a while. They're in this other world where they're making something up that hasn't been seen
0: yet. Mm. Well well that segues very nicely to so I guess we'll do a little coda if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia has you listed as the story consultant on uh on Brave. So That's what true. stories did you consult uh on uh on Brave Lynn?
1: <laughs> the um the th- They connect, I was like working, I'd moved over here I I was working at the Late Late Show and they got in touch with me and said they were doing a Scottish movie and would I look at the sound of the central character so they wanted because they're, they're, I can't even remember was she English? There's like a lot of different people involved in it And, and the thing with Pixar movies take a long time you know, I think Brave had taken like seven years, don't quote me in that But basically, so I worked on it for um, maybe six weeks or something like that. And it was like a really big deal because I didn't have to live there, right? Because I was working here. (laughs) I I couldn't move. Uh, Like, I'm in LA working. I can't come to uh, Emeryville and work because I'm here. And you don't need me that long. So they let me work outside. And my job was basically to look at the central character of Merida and that she made coherent sense. You know, as a Scottish person, and the the there's a lot of stuff that still happens happens pretty much in everything that has a Scottish person where they confuse um, the Scottish accent with Welsh, or they'll throw in a bit of Northern stuff, and you have to go and no, don't uh, take that out. It's it's not really a Scottish thing. Um, But there's also things like uh, so in. In um, and Merida, in and, and Brave, I wrote in the end, they, they do your line count as to how you get in, how many lines you get in. Um, that uh, then decides whether you're a writer or a whatever, right? That's part of the deal. Um, and they were, Pixar were lovely to me, they were absolute sweethearts. But it's funny because the trailer, and the trailer for her, when she goes, I don't speak bear, I was like, that's my life. That's my lie <laughs> You have an intense level of pride about something that's so random. Um it's very interesting working uh with uh it was a very interesting experience working on the other side um mm. because ostensibly I'm there as a writer and uh are and not a voice performer. But in you know in Chicken Run, my job is literally as voice performer, not as writer. Um, it was really cool to see it. From the other side of it, and actually fascinating in the, I have such respect for animators. I think it really, really, really is a labor of love because it's so intensive. Um. And I feel a little guilty, actually, in in both senses, where I could, like, wander in, show off a bit, and then leave, and then get credit for it. Whereas people who are there working all the time, like, you know, the person working on my hair and stuff like that. But what's lovely, though, is if you if I said to Pete, you know, um, God, I met, like, blah, 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 and I, we were talking about uh, my hair, he would know exactly who it was. Like, that's their level of community. They, the, he mm. knows who all that thing is. But these people are like <clears throat> deprived from darkness, <laughs> you know, <laughs> deprived from the light, and um, uh, it's kind of extraordinary. It's interesting because again, I'm thinking um, a really good friend of mine just wrote Soul for Pixar, and he mm. is like he's a playwright in a completely different experience, and I haven't met up with him yet because. He was away doing that. He wrote Soul and One Night in Miami. So they were all over him at the Oscars and everything. And I was like, you want to come round for brunch? And he's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I've got my vaccine. Me too. Right? Like, it's all that stuff. And I was like, fine, once you've, like, stopped wearing your suits and everything, come round. Um, I'm interested to see what his experience was because he was there all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interesting. I don't know if that did that answer the question.
0: I think so, yeah. I think, And I think it, it highlights issues of labour yep. that we talk a lot about um, on on, the, on this podcast and in animation more broad, broadly in that the public likes to talk about um, the stuff that's got the... You know, the voice actors. Uh, you know, Kung Fu Panda is voiced by Jack Black. But of course, the person... The people that did the most amount of work to make that panda move, um, not many people know the names of. So I think there is something really interesting
2: about that.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah. I definitely because they, cause they mm. are the ones that are doing the big picture sorry
2: hmm. no no it's it's and i think it's sort of it, it, labor is one of those things that certainly uh comes to bear on the difference between full-scale automated production and stuff by mm. hand you know it's, and, and stop motion as Alex said being that kind of specific or that particular way of working that is that is i i i i I have a book. I don't. I don't have it to hand, but I have the making of Chicken Run book because, of course, I do. And uh, (laughs) uh, the the way the way that the animators work is they're very like they're kind of standing in the set. They're standing on the table, or they're in there moving all of yeah, exactly. Um, And so there's that. that, There's just the way that or the cultural understanding of what stop motion is has has been defined. A lot by Ardman and the way that we imagine somebody over a, or sitting at a desk or by a table as they move these figures into into being and mm. and one second takes a week and all that all that kind of stuff is Ardman it has you know has been really important in the way that we think about the labor of of, of animation and in exactly what you're saying then this this sort of the the, the hidden labor the the Preservation of community in some somewhere like Aardman, um which I think maps quite nicely again onto onto Chicken Run and the the sort of the fact that Fowler is that he's the one that talks about his experience when actually every of the every character has a role to play in the well-oiled machine that is where they mm-hmm. live and the way that it works. Yeah. And so the lack, of, the lack of hierarchy or the sort of ridicule of those who invoke hierarchy is a nice little nod to some of the things that you're saying with regards to the, the community of, of Arben, which you do hear a lot of lot about, but it can sometimes be a little bit abstracted, um, and so it's nice mm. to hear that actually the way that the community in aardman works and the different roles that people play and the way that characters are passed along between different animators someone will do their hair someone will do the bottom half someone does the voice mm. and you have all these people working together in the same way um the, the the so it's not just a community it's the fact that the characters in this case ha- seem to have a history with each other or they you believe this is what i mean you believe yeah. that they're part of a part of a kind of well old yeah. machine um I had I guess i had one one kind of final question I know that we're, we're sort of running time. it was really a favorite a favorite bit of the film or a favorite um bit where you and I think this goes back to my question about whether you felt like you're in an Ardman film I guess at the level of script where there's something where you say that's that's a that's an Ardman that's got that kind of sensibility to it the way that it's about local humour or it's it's very British or it's very kind of downplayed or um the things that we know and love about Arblen. But was there yeah, was there a particular scene or a bit in the film where you're like, I can't wait to read that and give that my give that my all oh, and my oomph? You,
1: you know, the bit that with Chicken Run that I love most of all is when Fowler says, Don't be ridiculous, I'm a chicken, right? That is the bit that's hardman for me entirely I completely agree right, because <laughs> by then you're fully vested and then and you can't believe that you've been caught that way, where you were like, yeah, he was, he was, he was in the air Force <laughs> 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 oh no, he has a chicken, oh my they're all chickens, right I've been caught, mm. so so mm. that for me is is the moment you know there's there's the thing with um the thing with the movie, Chicken Run, that I love, I think, is it's joyous. It's mm. joyous. Even when, when you're watching it, you know you're allowed to enjoy it. And also, it does all the work so that you can enjoy it. You don't have to do any work with it. It's, like, right there for you, like, welcoming you in, you know, like, mm. a nice warm sweater and a cup <laughs> of tea, you know. You know that it's going to be fine on Christmas Day or fine on a day where you're not feeling too good about the world or fine when you're sitting and introducing it to your kids or fine whenever you know um i love the movie but i really do like don't be ridiculous if that's what he says i'm a chicken Where you're like oh my god yeah totally yeah. it's you funny are.
2: it's funny you mentioned christmas because i'm gonna now give a shout out i met with a student earlier today um and i said i was talking to to, to you about chicken run and he says, he went, I've got a theory about Chicken Run and I said, oh, okay and he said, uh, I think it's a Christmas movie even though it's kind of got nothing to do with Christmas but I always watch it at Christmas so in my mind it's a Christmas movie and that's exactly what it is it's, the, it's a ki- the kind of film that it'll be okay yeah. it'll be okay and that's why so there we go, I know we we seem to have had an ongoing abstracted debate about what makes a Christmas movie um, but I thought that was interesting I would never really thought about Chicken Run as a Christmas movie but there you go, what is a Christmas movie? It's Chicken Run, so there you go Yeah, Shout it's out to Chicken Run, <laughs> you
0: <laughs> right, well, certainly the, the Great Escape counts than Chicken sure. Run counts. Yeah, I think sure. um, absolutely, absolutely. So, Lynn, thank you so much um, you. for for chatting to us about about um, your time on 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 Chicken Run. Just Thank tell us a little bit about what you're, do- what you're doing now. I mean, you've, you talked a little bit at the beginning of the show about the podcast, but do remind us of that. And also tell us a little bit about You Tell Yours, because that sounds like a really interesting project that I'm sure our listeners would like to hear it's about. It's a little...
1: We- so, the We're All About Mental is the podcast I'm doing with Chisney Oaks and uh, Brandon Block and Neil Harrington. And it's really kind of a light-hearted, light-hearted discussion about mental health. That we all recognise that people used to talk about mental illness... And now, uh, thankfully people talk about mental health. So we've had all different people on in the first series. Um, we had, uh, Heston Blumenthal, uh, Toya, um, mm-hmm. Toby Anstis. We have like all different types of people on and yeah. we've just recorded with Alfred Molina and, uh, the next recording we're doing with a good friend of mine from the moth, um, who's a psychiatrist, psychologist at NYU, she's the head of the brainy people at NYU, called (laughs) Wendy Suzuki, who is, she's extraordinary. So uh, like, it's all different types and random people talking about uh, different moments in their mental health, right? So there's a, what I do in my business, is I do a thing called, uh, the business is called You Tell Yours, and I work in narrative, which is, right, this is a little wild. It was like the podcast I did last night, where I'm like, because it was about writing. Um, People think that writing is uh, something that uh, other people can do, and they can't, right? My process of working with narratives uh, is I recognise that everybody has a story that they're running all the time, that is in their head, that they think everybody can hear, but they can't, right? So my work is about finding out that story. But when you write something, or when you create something, whether it's a book or a movie or whatever, like you access that narrative, um, like you would ab- like if you were, uh, if you were making a suit, you would get the fabric, and then you would cut the pattern, and you'd make the suit, right? With narrative work, you understand what the fabric is, as in what the flow is that you see in your narrative, right? And then you structure it into stories whether that be movies or you know films or movies and films or a sitcom or whatever most people are trying the problem with writers uh, and the problem with people who want to write is they're trying to write like someone else or they're trying to write to please their like third grade teacher who told them that that's what writing is and so we i i do a lot of one-to-one in that but also we do these weird things which is we do big story groups like kind of, I guess it like virtual campfires. So we work with businesses um, where you know, like in businesses you ever walked into a room and there's a narrative going there that you don't know what it is. Somebody's not telling you, right? But mm-hmm. you know it's there and you don't know what it is. And then it sets you off for the rest of the day. And the nature, why it's important to work on narrative or flow, is that story is the thing that is ever present. Like if you don't if it's not clear what the story is, you'll make one up. So it's like a kind of pool or a dunt in the water. <coughs> so that um, what happens with people, if they're not clear about either their own abilities or what's going on around them, they'll make up a story and the story is generally not a good one. it will be like, they don't like me. They're trying to fire me. You know, they think I'm a douchebag. I'm not a good writer. I'll never write again. Everybody hates my work. Everybody's always hated my work. It's the same stories everybody makes up. But everyone thinks they're the only person who does it. So the work is on getting to know what the story is in your head, and then working from there on in. Do you want to try this? I'll do this exercise with you. It's two minutes. Sure. And, and then I, it's I the best
2: way of. We
0: absolutely want to do this. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah do you want? Do you both want to do it? Right? Yes. Can we? Can we both do Let's it? Do the, is do, it do yeah. Both of you do it. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Is it competitive
1: got, or collaborative? no it's
0: you just have to
1: tell me i'm going to tell you a thing and you're going to tell me a story about it and you're going to talk for we're going to do two minutes okay while you're talking i'm going to write stuff down right in my little board of mystery and then um once we've done the exercise i'm going to tell you what i hear all right who's going to start doesn't matter Uh, uh...
0: It doesn't matter. Alexander, you'll Uh, start. uh, Looks like I'm going first. So I have to talk for
1: two two minutes. Wait.
0: Oh, come. Cool yourself. Good Lord. Don't ask an academic to be spontaneous. This is what happens. Oh, Uh, no. You're going to
1: talk for two minutes. What you're both going to do is you're going to tell me the story of your name. Story of your name, right? Talk for two minutes. You ready? I'm setting my timer. Go.
0: Okay. So the story of my name, according to my mother, is. Lynn thanks so much for coming on the podcast ah, it's been really wonderful um chatting to you about about your experience on chicken run but also just sort of the general kind of concepts and ideas it, it raises it's been an absolute pleasure yeah oh,
1: bless you thank you you've both uh, made me think about chicken run in a different way well, that's, that's very through.
0: kind and listeners Lynn has made us think about ourselves in a different way in a way you <laughs> will never, you'll never ever get to hear I'm so, so
1: sorry <laughs> I'm sorry
0: um, you
1: did ask and you volunteered what yes. can I say yeah I,
0: I will now ask is that, so um both of those initiatives are they on social media can they find them on websites where can people go to find um What's more about that? the company uh, you you two, yours and the podcast
1: uh, the podcast is on all platforms it's everywhere right. um so it's we are all a bit mental and the you tell is the is the business thing Mm -hmm. and there's there's stuff there but we're quite the weird thing is we're sort of quite quiet about it because there's only a
0: certain amount of people you can do in a day sure Um, okay thanks so much again Lynn Um, (laughs) the the usual admin has to be done very quickly Uh, you can follow us at uh, ah, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Reddit at fananimresearch F A N A N I M research as well as the website fantasy-animation.org Org, uh, give us a like, a subscribe. Let us know how uh, this episode went down. Anything else you want to say about Ardman or stop motion in general? Um, we would love to hear from you. Otherwise, this has been us for another episode, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.